Another day, another dollar. Here we go. Welcome to my show. My name is Eric Ronaldo. This is for the win. I'm coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. The beautiful win Hotel and Resort Casino. It's a good place to be, especially uh, some, of, some of my, I have a couple of friends who have decided to make their way from the East Coast and they are coming from 20 degree weather. So they're in a good spot right now. Again, let me remind everybody out there in Las Vegas, we have more days in a calendar year under 70 degrees than over. I know that's hard for you to understand. You just blew my mind. It's not always hot here and we do get seasons. And today was a, a wonderful little day. Nice, nice drive in. The, the city looked uh, fantastic. Lots to cover on today's program. Don't really know which direction to go, but the transfer market is starting to heat up and there has been some movement already. I'm going to have to get my buddy Warren Barton on the program in the next couple of days because, of course, his connections to Newcastle. And I um, am watching some of the movement there already. I don't know whether I'm disappointed or not. I feel like I expected a bigger splash. I don't know. I don't think Chris Woods and Kieran Trippier is, is, is really something that really moves the meter. But there's a ton of games to coming up this weekend, and, and I want to talk a little bit about Chelsea. They did get past Spurs when it comes to the Caribou. <laughs> I like saying that. I used to think, I used to, I, I'm going to be honest here, I used to thought it was Caribou. I did not know it was Caribou, which is uh, apparently uh, you know, a sponsor that, that would really appreciate it when I get the name right. But uh, to be honest, I don't care. Anyway, uh, Real Madrid gets past Barcelona in the Spanish Super Cup. Which, um, if you watch Xavi uh, Hernandez's his comments after the game, he certainly was disappointed. But I love this comment. This is the way. I, I felt like I was watching the Star Wars deal. This is the way. But um, is he going to be the guy to get them back on track? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the, and as you know, the, Spain has changed their Super Cup from last year. So it's going to be four teams. Atletico Madrid. Uh, who are the Spanish champs? And then Barcelona, still as the reigning Copa del Rey, uh, Real Madrid, and Bilbao. It's getting interesting over there. I guess the other bit of news to share would be Manchester United has, if you've been paying attention to Manchester United ever since Ralph Ryan got there, uh, things, things are a little tricky. I, for one, have been paying more attention because I have two sons that follow this team. And I feel like my prediction that this is not going to last is going to come true. And you've seen some comments now coming out of the players who basically are saying, look, enough's enough. I will address the media. I'm going to talk about the locker room. I'm going to talk about what this, this, what we feel the problems are. And, and they, it seems to be a front that looks like these guys have got it together. And they, they've decided they're going to be a team and they don't care what you say. And they're going to make, they're going to make things difficult for everybody else. I'm not too sure I really believe that. They did get past Aston Villa with a 1-0 victory the other day, and they'll have Aston Villa this weekend, which, you know, I made fun of it. I said Aston Villa is not the, the biggest of opponents, even though they just picked up Coutinho. So Coutinho gets to play for his childhood hero, former teammate in Steven Gerrard. Is he going to move the meter? I don't know. I don't know. But the reality is, is that Ronaldo is now chiming in, and he has delivered his stern message to everybody out there that he will not accept anything less than top three. Good luck with that. I just want to tell you both. Good luck. We're all counting on you. Sometimes you get so far into the hole, it's going to be difficult to deliver on that kind of promise. And, you know, when it was brought up to the superstar that maybe sixth place would be considered a, a success story, he quickly fought back. He also, by the way, dropped this one on us. He plans to play until he's 42. I blame this on Zlatan. He's a different animal. And he calls himself a lion. I don't know. 
If it's at Lion's Blood, who, who knows? 40 years old, 40 years old, still playing soccer. I'm a man. I'm 40. I'm not a, I'm not a kid. At an extremely high level. I mean, most people, they say, you know, what would Jesus Christ do? When I get in these situations, I say, what was Latan do? That's kind of the way I live my life. I would suggest you don't do the same. It's not always going to be uh, the, best, the best strategy. But I, I also love Ronaldo's comments about genetically, I feel like I'm 30 years old. I don't know. Go make a commercial. Maybe it's that thing he uses to, you know, give, him, give himself massages. Let's, uh, let's get to this, this weekend's games because it's actually going to be a good week uh, if you are paying attention. Man City gets Chelsea. I am off the Chelsea bandwagon, and I have my reasons for that. And when I get to the transfer market and all the players who are available and who's on, on my list as far as who should go, who could go, and I'm going to have to give an explanation of the Bosman ruling because a lot of people don't know what this is, and they don't understand why player movement has changed dramatically, well, at least since my playing. In my days, you know, in, in 1992, three and four, before the ruling in 95, which, which is so stupid, why did I come back? I could have stayed. I could have made so much more money. I came back and took the, uh, the, the minimal offer or the maximum offer, which is really what these guys make a week these days with Major League Soccer, because I, I, my heart was in this. And right at that moment, the Bosnian ruling went through and everybody started making a ton of money. I remember my, my coach, Klaus Tottmuller, told me, you're an idiot to go back. But you know what? I, I'll get into all the names that are going to be the beneficiaries of what the Bosnian ruling is. It was a Belgian player who, who fought for all of our rights. The unfortunate irony of all this is that he's broke. But people have made trillions of dollars off of, off of the decision to make, to make the European community no longer a foreign player. If you are playing in Germany, for example, and you're French, you're, no, you're, you're not a foreign player. In my day, there was three of us. There was a Greek guy named Tommy Stratos and, and Yuri Savicesh from Russia. And the, the three of us just tried to, our best not to get killed every practice because the German guys wanted their German friends to play. So if you got in a, in a rondo or a, a 5v2 situation and the guy tried to slide tackle and kill you, that was common practice over there. But it's a different story now. That's why teams are built very differently. And clearly, they're, they're much stronger than, than they used to be because you can build super teams with all kinds of this eclectic crowd of, of, of you got six or seven languages being spoken in some of these locker rooms. But let's get through this. Man City gets Chelsea. That's at 4.30 a.m. here on the wonderful West Coast. Aston Villa gets their chance to uh, make amends against Manchester United. That's at a reasonable hour at 9.30. And then there's the big one. And in my opinion, if we're going to pick a game to watch this weekend, with everything going on in both of these clubs, it's Tottenham Arsenal. 8.30 on Sunday. Thank you for the, uh, the late start. I might be able to catch that. But this really is, if we're being honest, the whole season's on the line. I know I hate doing that, but it's, it's so true. Tottenham has their turnaround. Now, Conte has got this team playing, or kind of call it pattern play. He did have his comments a couple weeks ago where he, he basically felt that maybe his team wasn't at the same caliber as Chelsea, so that had its effect. But Arsenal is not Chelsea, but it's still going to be a game that Arteta wants to win. So I would suggest if you're going to put your calendar together for the weekend, pretty good start time if you're on the West Coast, Tottenham, Arsenal. And, and here's the other part of this. The Chelsea fans all watch that. They don't like to admit it. They go, oh, I don't, I'm not interested. This is, these are the guys that come to the bar, right, at, at some god-awful time in the morning and, and are, are on their fourth beer by the time the game starts at 5 o'clock in the morning. And then you, you even mention Arsenal or you mention Tottenham and they say, oh, who cares? Who cares? The next day, they're in their house. They don't come to the bar, but it's the same thing all over again because they love to watch those two teams lose. I've, I've learned that over the years. I spend a lot of time out at uh, the Crown and Anchor in Thousand Oaks. And if you live in that area, if you're somewhere between Ventura and 
You know, there's a couple of, of, of bars that you can go to, but the Crown and Anchor is fantastic. I love that place. Thousand Oaks Boulevard. Figure it out. Look it up if you're in the area. Germany is getting interesting. And I do need to talk about Pepe today because I, I know I'm going to be the unpopular guy and say that this is not going to work out and it's going to take time and people are going to get pissed off because they spent $20 million on the kid. And we've all figured out that it's American ownership basically paying itself to get an American player to push the narrative that American players are really worth that. But you can't do this to an 18-year-old kid. Is he 19 now? Did he already just turn 19? So does that change things? No, he's still a kid. And to put that kind of weight on his shoulders is a little bit unfair. If you saw his game, I think the stats on it were 11 touches and maybe a half chance. But I, I think the reality is he looked out of place, man. He looked a little nervous and a little naive, in my opinion. Now, his game this weekend is an, a, nice, a nice little home game, if you will, against Frankfurt. It's not going to be a fun trip. It's just not going to be a good game for him. Watch him go and score. Everybody's saying, is he going to get his first start? Probably not ready for that yet. If he does get his first start and he gets substituted in the 59th minute, then what's the conversation without scoring or playing well? We got Josh Sargent all over again. I don't have to remind everybody that we have two American forwards that just got relegated last year with Werder Bremen and Schalke. Those are two massive clubs. We put all this, we don't even think, I don't think Josh Sargent and or Matthew Hoppe got one-tenth of the pressure that they're putting on this 18, 19-year-old. It's just completely unfair. And it's not going to go well for a while. I wish we had more time, but we don't. So we're going to throw this kid into the deep end of the pool. And, and hope he can and navigate his way out of that. By the way, there's about 18 alligators in there. So good luck. I don't feel good about it. I'm sorry. I just don't. Dortmund gets Freiburg. Uh, and I need to explain that. I love the German games because they're all in the 11 o'clock hour. It's, it's great. I don't have to roll out of bed at some ungodly hour just to watch a game. And I'm probably going to do that for England. But you know, once I'm done with England, then I, then I get the German feed. Dortmund, Freiburg. Now, let me explain this. Freiburg is a very unique club. And in my day, it was always an interesting club because they finally came up in the second division and got some time in the Bundesliga. And there was a guy named Rodolfo Cordoso who came from South America. And he changed the entire, the the fabric of of Freiburg. From one day to the next, it was this this grunge team that really going to give you a, a, a hard day, but they didn't have any flair. And they brought in, it was one of the first times that we saw a real talented South American come over to the Bundesliga and just completely change the culture of the club. And it was amazing. It was amazing from, as an outsider to watch. But the funny story is when he arrived, he thought he had a contract with Hamburg. So his agent and all the, you know, back then, by the way, this, we were dealing with fax machines. We didn't have phones. So, we, you know, Somewhere in the line of communication, it got mixed up. So this guy gets on a plane and comes to Hamburg, not Hamburg, and had to play an entire year because he signed the contract for a second division team that was in the middle of, you know, shit buck nowhere. And nobody knew how this was going to work, but the guy was talented and he made his way to Freiburg. And eventually, eventually he made his way up to Werder Bremen and it was more of the same story. But this guy was, was phenomenal. Now, Freiburg, to me, is probably one of the, the most interesting places to play. It's kind of right in the middle of the woods. It's the Black Forest. It's on your way to Bayern. But it was always this small little club that could never figure itself out. And now it's in third place in the Bundesliga. It's such a great story. 
It really is. It's a great story with the Leipzigs of the world that buy their way in and cause so much trouble. To see a team like Freiburg have the success they've had is absolutely phenomenal. So don't miss that. Dortmund uh, gets Freiburg. We might get a Gio Reyna sighting, which I'm really hoping for. If you're following me on Twitter, you got to see my son, who's very proud of his new jersey. He's wearing the number seven, Gio Reyna, everywhere. He's actually wearing it at school today, which is one of those weird things that you can't wear it every other day, son. Can we get another jersey? I mean, it's, but that's how much he loves Gio Reyna, which I think is so cool. I mean, I get to call Claudio and say, if you can't believe this, my son is in love with your son. My son wants to be your son. And Claudio, as you know, we, he and I had played in several World Cups together. And he's out in Austin now as, as the technical director, formerly at NYCFC, which is, I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but the, the reality was is when Gio started to show some promise, Claudio got him the hell out of there, got him to Dortmund because he could. Kid was born in Sunderland. And he wanted him in a better environment. That's not a slag on NYCFC, but when it really came down to it, and it's your kid, and that's what Claudio decided to do, I'm going to take him to Germany because that's the best environment for him, and the kid has flourished over there. But anyway, my son loves Gio. I, I actually asked my son, give me your top five players. I put this out on Twitter, and in order, I believe they were, Alfonso Davies was first. And I can't figure out it's because of the way he plays, regardless of the fact that he's Canadian, which is already problematic. But that's my, that's my son's favorite player. And then if you watch, as far as the brand goes with Alfonso Davies and his girlfriend and the stuff they put out on TikTok and the stuff they put out, I started to realize in a hurry that this is what's driving his interest. Because Alfonso Davies is absolutely hilarious if you're following him on social media. And I suggest you do that. But my son loves him. And then, right, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, who's number two? Because I'm thinking, oh, he's going to say Messi and Ronaldo and all that. So he goes, Ronaldo's going to come in fifth, dad. I'm like, so fifth, so who's two, three, and four? And it was Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, and Holland, which is a big Dortmund connection. But I guess the reality of that is during the pandemic, we received a couple of gifts from Dortmund. And one of it, because I put something on Twitter, I think. And Dortmund sent me a beautiful, black box with a Dortmund jersey with Braden on the back. Well done, guys. That's how you do it. You want to win a fan? That was a smart move. I don't know how much it costs you. Thank you very much. But it also prompted Muchen Gladbach to send me a bunch of stuff too. So maybe if my son just keeps saying stuff about who he likes, then they'll continue to give me some free stuff. But I, I do think my son does appreciate the Dortmund way of doing things. And, you know, club had a big part of that, I think, and the fact that I played in Germany. but. Uh, Dortmund is is certainly a team that my my son really really appreciates, and it's really cool for me to know that you know I can take my kid out to the park and we can work on something, and it's, and when we're shooting or we're doing a volley or something, and he puts names on it. He says, "I'm going to do a Reina." That's cool. That's just cool. You know, when we take when we take penalty kicks, that's the, that's a Pulisic. So we shoot or we dribble, we pretend to be someone else, and it's really cool for me coming from my background, to know that there are modern players that are sons of my friends that are my son's idols, which is really, really interesting. But anyway, Gladbach gets Leverkusen, and you might want to see that Atalanta is going to get Enzer, and it's a good weekend. You know, sometimes we you look at the schedule, and I try to come on this program and promote stuff and say, hey, that's going to be a good game. I don't have to sell this week. When you got Man City, Chelsea, great. Aston Villa with the, with the rebound against United with all their stuff. 
the uh, North London Derby with Hotspurs, well, Spurs taking on uh, Arsenal. And then, uh, and then Dortmund Freiburg. And I'm, I hope I sold that Freiburg story, but it really is worth talking about. All right, I mentioned it earlier, and I'm going to have Warren Barton, my buddy, come on the program to discuss this because we all saw this huge group come in and just splash some cash on Newcastle. I'm waving to people so they, I think they can hear me. Can you guys hear me? Everybody nod if you can hear me. All right. All right. I get this a lot. And a lot of people will, it's not, this isn't the Today Show, but certainly you guys look great, by the way. You look absolutely, I don't know where you're going, but you look great. If I'm going to go back to this weekend, I would say this. All that stuff that I just talked about, I want to start talking about Newcastle. And I can't figure this out. Is, is, is Trippier coming over from Atleti a big deal? They're going to spend $20 million or something on him. And then now they're going to go $20 million more on Chris Wood from Burnley. In my day, well, if I'm going to get worn on the, on the horn and we're going to talk about this, this was Alan Shearer, this was Aspria, this, this was a different field. These were, in that day, they were huge names. And this was a team with Kevin Keegan was their manager. You all seen that. I would love it when he, you know, to see somebody else lose. But I don't know if that's, if that's really going to push the meter. With everybody out there, with everybody out there, is it, is it the fact that Ronaldo's saying, I won't settle for anything less than top three? Is that the reason why someone like Mbappe is just, no, I'm not interested in Newcastle? Pogba is on this list. Now, are they trying to figure out the defensive component of that? Because there's two guys at Chelsea, and if you've got the money, why not go after Antonio Rudiger? Why not? The guy's... Already just won the Champions League. He's German. The guy next to him, Christensen, is sounding like he wants more money. And if you've got the money, push the meter. Sorry, Chris Wood. You'd, I mean, I get it. Chris Wood has, has pretty much been double-digit goal scorer on a team like Burnley. So I guess the logic is, well, maybe if we build a better team around him, he'll score more. I'm not entirely sure that'll be the case. There are some amazing names, though. And I'm going to get to that Bosnum explanation. And the last bit of business there is, is Jesus Corona is going to be transferred from Porto to Sevilla. But let me get to this list because what the Bosnum ruling is, and let's explain it again. This was a, a Belgian player who basically was fighting over his ability to make a transfer. And he took it all the way to the and, and he basically changed the, the laws of player movement forever. In the past, there has been, you know, Lewandowski and, and even Messi and, and Pirlo have been beneficiaries of this, these new laws. And what it means is, within the fact that you are part of the European community, which you are no longer viewed as a foreign player, that makes that first part, as far as movement, a lot easier. But the other part is, you are entitled, and we just saw this with Incendia, with Toronto, to do a pre-contract with your next club six months in advance and basically really alters that transfer fee scenario. So these, this is the highest paid player in the history of Major League Soccer that's making a deal six months in advance to make what they're saying. I, I know the initial numbers were coming out 60 million. It's probably not going to be 60 million, but it certainly is a splash. But he wouldn't be able to do that without the, the work of one man. And so when you hear that name, Bosman, it, it's, it's a big deal. The last I had heard, he, he did not have you know, a lot of money in his bank account. I wish that was different. All the stuff that he went through and the fight that he, he went through, I think each one of these guys should probably give him a percentage of something every time one of these deals are made. Here's the guys that are on the list that are going to be able to be beneficiaries of 
what could be an unbelievable summer. So Mbappe, we already mentioned. Paul Pogba looks like he might make a move. Dybala might make a move. Dembele might make a move. We already mentioned uh, Rudiger and, and Senya is, is his move is he's going to be joining in, uh, Toronto. Christensen and Rudiger and Sule is, is, a, is another one who came from Leipzig is now at Bayern Munich. Could be uh, another. I don't know why we would put Matthias Ginter on this team. He's at Mönchengladbach. I know he could play for the national team, but come on. Let me give you another good one. Jesse Lingard. And I don't know why. Well, Luis Suarez and Di Maria. All right, so right there, I mean, we've just built a team, an all-star team, that could certainly uh, could be an amazing team to watch. The other one that I would, maybe not everybody knows who he is, but Kramaric. He plays at Hoffenheim. If I were an MLS team, that would be a guy I would go after. I, I, mean, I didn't mention La Gazette as well. I'm sure he's French, so he, he only lasts about six to eight months happy everywhere. Then he has to have something to complain about. That's not his fault. He's French. So we'll forgive him for that. Where does Pogba go? Wow. Anyway, that's what is in front of us. We could, we could see some possible movement in Jan, this January window, but I think we're looking at one hell of a summer. Uh, the last bit of business is the MLS draft. I think it was a total of 89 players. And it looked like FC Dallas has got a deal going with St. Louis. Are they already trying to sabotage St. Louis? They give them a chance, man. Like everybody that FC Dallas took and they came out of St. Louis. But 89 players, a little bit of personal business here. I, I had a player that was training with me I, for a short stint. Local boy, Justin Rasmussen. Cue the, uh, the clap. His father, Jim, is a, is a good friend of mine. We go golfing all the time. And it's just such a cool story. He was at Grand Canyon University. He played for Shellis Heineman. He's a guy that I just was really, it was really cool to see his name pop up. I think he was 26 overall going to Portland. So congratulations, Justin. I got to coach him for a couple of weeks. I really am proud to... Uh, on the, uh, the draft list. Now, the other thing about that is, and not to, to poo-poo everybody's parade here, but I spent a couple of hours on the phone um, over the course of the last couple of days going through the draft, talking to coaches in Major League Soccer. There are certain realities to it. I mean, I, I, I won't even tell you his name, but there was one coach. When I asked him, how about how the draft go? He says, I don't know. I was getting my hair cut. So um, maybe it's not the most important thing in the world anymore. I, I think with all of the developmental academies that have, have now are a mainstay. I think, I think those success stories, those homegrown talent, it's, it's really put a damper on, on the collegiate effort. And the, the concerns are, are valid. They're valid. You got these horrible rules that exist in NC2A. So these kids are only playing four months out of the year. And then the rest of the time, in that way of doing things, there's so many rules that prohibit you from doing anything that you could possibly lose your eligibility that you never really get a clean opportunity to join into a professional outfit and or have a chance to play in some quality games when you're not in season. You got to change that. It's just, it's really killing the game. And what I think the, from, from the collegiate side, they need to understand that this is now at a, to a detriment to their players because they, everybody wants to say, you know, this is a student athlete. They want them to get an education. They want them to finish school and they want them to play soccer. Okay, well then let them play soccer. Let them at least get better. Don't just, you know, well, we had our four months and uh, now we're going to, you know, big brother you and make sure you don't, you know, break the rules. It's just, it's just really not, it's not, it's not something that's going to work if you really want to get to the end of that and say Clemson or North Carolina or Duke, St. Louis, UCLA, all the teams that UCLA used to be the number one. I mean, it was, it seemed like the whole damn league was, became out of UCLA. And that's old school. That's the Bocanegras of the world. But I think as this, situation unfolds and we look at the draft. I'd love to celebrate the success stories of these 89 kids that have just made their way 
into the draft. Some of them didn't finish school. Some of them did. But the ones that did finish school, and if you really do the numbers on this, you'll just start noticing that MLS teams are not really paying attention to the collegiate player anymore. Uh, because of the because of the, the, the mechanisms that, are, that now exist through the academies, through MLS Next Pro, and that pathway that has now been created, college isn't always the go-to. Used to be. It certainly used to be. There's a ton of success stories, the way that we used to do, that we could go into, but it really is a different world. Not just because the coach was getting a haircut, but I mean, the truth is not everybody was paying attention the way they should. Now, look, I'm going to finish the show with, I'm going to go back to it. I apologize, but I have to get this off my chest. I realized uh, in my last podcast that some of, there was a, quite a reaction to that because it talked mainly about coaching. And I talked mainly about the fact that I do believe we have a coaching problem in this country. And we lack personality. The reason why I'm bringing it up is the mainstay of all those, those conversations with GMs and sporting directors and, and head coaches uh, in Major League Soccer is the one thing that they keep saying is we go to all these academy games and there's just nobody that stands out. It all looks like the same game. It's almost like every game is in black and white. If, you didn't, if they didn't have uniforms on and we weren't, if, if we were colorblind, we wouldn't know the difference between one team and the next. And that was really the, the, the topic that I, I chose to really dive into last time. And I'm going to dive into that some more when I get to Kansas City at the uh, National Coaching Convention. But what's interesting to me is that they're blaming themselves at the same time that they're blaming the system. The players lack personality. We don't have specialists. We don't, and and that's, that's really something that we need to fix. It used to be, and this was something that I, I lived with my, my kids, is when you'd go to a developmental academy game, and this struck me as, as bizarre. The referees started complaining that the games weren't competitive enough. Think about that for a second. The referees started saying, no, I'd rather, I'd rather ref another game where there's a little bit of, this is just a bunch of kids that don't want to make a mistake. That's amazing to me. And if you look at what, what the objective is in this country is to be a better soccer nation. So we, we want to start producing players. And if I ask the question, and I did this the other day at, at, at training. There was a guy, he was from, I'm not going to out him here, but he's from Spain and he's exploring options in, in this city. And I said, okay, what's the objective of a coach? What's the modern day objective of a coach? And the answer was, well, to develop players. And I said, great, to do what? To play? The objective is to play? What is this? Call of Duty? No, this is actually going to get real at some point and we got to be ready for that. There's no reset button. You want to play with your kids that can play or are you going to teach them how to find solutions to win? Because I'm a professional coach and I can tell you right now, I'm not interested in a bunch of guys that can play a game. I need to know who, who knows how to win. And I'm bringing this up, kind of going full circle because the college coaches that we now rely on, if we're going to even go there anymore, we used to, the only thing that these scouts were looking for is proven winners. Are you coming from a winning culture? So that flies straight in the face of what you're trying to do. You're trying to develop players to play. Ah, we tied. Nah, so what? Yep, that's okay. Where do you guys want to go to eat? I'm going to tell one story before I get off. And this is, a, this is honest to God, this is interesting. I have a very good friend in, in Europe. His name is Joe Enox. You wouldn't know him, but he, he was a player that went through the collegiate system and he ended up putting a backpack on and going over to Europe and, and exploring his options. And he became a club legend at Osnabrück. So 
he allowed a couple of years ago, he let me come out and, and watch his, and I brought a couple of players with me to see how they would do. And the way it worked out was I was just, I had the back access to everything that he did as a manager. Okay. So this is the way it went down. He had, he had his training, the trainings were incredibly intense and then he had to select a team. So in that moment where he had to select a team, he makes his selections. The group gets up and three guys stay. And he, he looks at me and says, you can stay if you want, but I got to talk to these three guys. They're, they're pissed off because they're not in the team or they're not starting. So he had three separate conversations. He had this conversation with one of the older players that he's like, look, I know you thought you were in the team, but this is a tactical move. And the guy understood it. And he, but he lost money, so he's pissed. The next one's a young kid. Coach, you've been saying I was going to play, but I'm not playing. Why am I not playing? So hang in there. You'll get your chance. Blah, blah, blah. But the game happened and I was at the game. And in the 85th minute, there was an injury and he had one sub left. And I watched Joe Enochs turn around to look at his bench. And those guys were pushing each other out of the way. Put me in, coach. You could see it. You could feel it. It was, I want in. I want it. Is it me? Pick me. Pick me. And he picked one guy and then he had, a, he had to explain it to the other guys why they didn't get it. But the competition was, was incredible. And those guys showed up the next day that didn't play and killed each other in practice because they wanted to prove that they deserved to be in the team. All right, so why am I telling this story? Because a couple of months later, my good friend Dominic Kinnear was the uh, head coach of Houston. And I happened to be traveling with the television stuff I was doing. And he gave me access to his team. This was a team that won, that won the whole thing that year. As it would be, I was with his team. And then I was going to New York as they were going to New York. So I ended up traveling, going to New York, staying in the same hotel. Sometimes that happens as Houston Dynamo. I, I had witnessed a couple of practices. And I thought, okay, this is going to be an interesting week. This is a big game. Go to New York. And I was in the meeting when... Tom picked his team. Every single one of those guys just got up and left the room and figured out where they wanted to go eat. Even the guys that were angry. Eh, well, he didn't pick me. Hey, where do you want to go? Chipotle? Sound good? Yeah, let's go. Now, I'm not going to out anybody by the names, but so the game happens. And it's the same story. 85th minute, a guy goes down. Dominic has to make a move. He looks at his bench, and these guys are ducking. Oh, God, don't put me in. I don't want, come on, really? Don't, oh, really? Oh, uh, me? Oh, shit. I got to play. And the, it was the same scoreline. It was a big game, points-wise. But the mentality was so alarming to me because it was the complete opposite of what I just witnessed in Germany. And that was third division. Here's the hard part. I had an early flight out of New York. I had to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And I was down in the lobby actually waiting for a lady to just maybe make coffee before I had to get in my car to go to the airport. And here comes those three guys that didn't get in, just getting home, drunk out of their minds. And I don't know what they looked like the next day in practice, but that was the difference to me. It was a huge, huge difference. So some, sometimes when we talk about player development and we talk about what, what makes a player different than others, and we talk about winning, 